Welcome, 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 welcome to Blues and World Report. Blues, 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 blues and World Report. I'll be interviewing all different kinds of artists whose work has been inspired and influenced by blues music. I hear so much talk about keeping the blues alive. Keeping the blues alive? No. no. I'm thinking the blues keeps us alive. Just be careful how you we're going to get down to the real nitty-gritty with the greatest blues artists on the planet. Welcome to the second episode of Blues and World Report. I'm Matthew Scholar, your host. This special edition of the podcast is done in cooperation with the Logan Center Blues Fest at the University of Chicago's Logan Center for the Arts. I'm privileged to be the program director for the festival. I interviewed 25-year-old John Tavius Willis on Sunday, October 17th, the day after he opened for the legendary Bobby Rush at the festival. Then Bobby invited John Tavius up to jam with him on his acoustic set, and, and, and it was really amazing. This is my conversation with John Tavius Willis. I, I hope you enjoy it. Hey, John Tavius. Welcome to Chicago, man. Glad to be here, man. Right on. I'm going to um, tell the folks a little bit about you, some stuff I got off to your bio. John Tavius Willis is a 25-year-old multi-instrumentalist who was nominated for a Grammy in 2020, thanks to his latest album, Spectacular Class, which also won Best Self-Produced CD Award and the 2018 International Blues Challenge put on by the Blues Foundation. The album was a follow-up release to his uh, 2016 debut, Blue Metamorphosis which garnered rave reviews from such notable magazines as Living Blues and Blues and Rhythm. Through original lyrics, the gifted musician delivers a timeless album that features dynamic vocals and all types of blues, Delta, Piedmont, Texas, and gospel. His standout finger-picking, flat-picking, and slide prowess are on display. Willis brings early blues instruments to his musical collaborations with banjo and mandolin players, also referencing grooves from the early Muddy Waters era. Willis is just as comfortable playing electrified and semi-electrified ensembles, but he's in his element alone and acoustic. Grammy-winning artists Taj Mahal and Keb Mo played an active role in producing Spectacular Class with Taj Mahal credited as executive producer and Keb Mo as the producer. Again, man, welcome to Chicago. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we're so glad that you came and you, you, you did a, a beautiful show last night. It was really oh, I enjoyed it myself. Fantastic. Now, people call you Quan. Mm-hmm. Where did that handle come from? And I noticed on social media you use it, but not sort of in your branding as an artist. People that don't know me personally don't know me by Quan. Yeah, they don't know me by Okay, so that's sort of a familiar Yeah, yeah, you thing. have to know me yeah. to know me. Right. John Tavis is my birth name. Well, I perform professionally every year. Quan is my nickname. It's your billing name. Yeah, yeah. John Tavis is my billing name. Billing my name. Check, okay, check name. Yeah. so we'll just forget about Quan until we holler on the phone next time. <laughs> How have you been um, doing through this whole COVID nightmare, man? It's just been surreal. It been, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, I was lucky, lucky to have a few, you know, uh, online ordeals, but that's weird, too. Because uh, it makes you think. I was talking to my friend, Jerron Paxton, and he was saying, if you think about how a lot of the recordings that we listen to, these folks in the new settings, they're in front of, people they don't know in front of new technology with no audience. So the song that we're listening to aren't the songs that they were playing at home because that was in front of a live audience. So we sitting in front of a camera and no interaction from people. You can't hear them, you know. It's just like it's different. So no I, energy exchange. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you need, I feel like, well, at least I know I need it. I, I, I feed off of it. So it's been kind of different um, playing to computers. Instead of playing to the audience. Now, was it interactive uh, performance in terms of um, you had a Zoom thing going on, or were you recording it and then? I, I had a few. I had one, I had some that were pre-recorded. I had like to record an hour just straight playing right in front of uh, just just me, just song got the song and talking a little bit about the song, but not much. And then I had some that was Zoom, but. Even then, I guess some, some, you know, sometimes you can only just see, they have so you can just see yourself. You can't see the participants. Oh, I you know, see. They had turned their okay. cameras off, so even then it was still kind of the you same. You weren't getting idea. feedback. Yeah, yeah. Because I did a couple um, as well, and I did a couple of Zoom ones. 
I was really resistant to it, but I did a couple of Zoom ones late on into the lockdown. And I did see the folks, um, I had it set up so that I could see the reactions. You know, it was sort of like a happy hour I did. Somebody paid me to do a happy hour for their company. It was interesting because I think I was so starved for any kind of interaction at that point Mm. that I could see up close and intimate in these folks' living rooms, their reactions to music, yeah. you know? And I was surprised at, at how that fed me a little bit. For sure, yeah. I, I can imagine. Yeah. I know, as far as the, that performing part, that was, I, I didn't really, uh, that was, it was interesting. But um, I, I made like some groups and stuff and got together with some musicians. Um, and we did a few, a few one-off things. That, Online? Yeah, with, uh, we did like open air stuff. Back oh, open before, air both, both before they before they, you know, we're doing it a lot. We did stuff in Baton Rouge and stuff with like Steve Hull and a few other uh, friends of mine back home. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been it's been interesting, and mostly I've been shedding. So that's been kind of the most rewarding part. Of it. Well, that's that's great. When he says shedding, he means he was doing a lot of practicing, <laughs> and um, that's that's awesome. And that takes a lot of discipline because um, some of us, uh, just didn't even want to touch our instruments during that period of time. It was so, it was so sad and I don't know, debilitating in a way, but that's great that you still had the fire and you were, you were woodshedding. That's great. Now you've already been on the set for a relatively long time. How old were you when you first started gigging? 16. Yeah, I started, well, I started playing a bit. Uh, I started playing initially when I was 14, but my first, uh, and I was playing at church. So I had a little bit after I started playing, I guess probably next year, I was playing a little bit in church uh, at different events, not playing with anyone, but just like I would accompany myself uh, on my guitar. You mean you you picked up the guitar for the first time when you were how old? 14. 14. Mm-hmm. Wow. December 24, 2010. And by February, I could play a little bit. And I started in open tuning, but I got some video. Like, I, 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 I was good enough to, you know, probably do 30 minutes. It, it would sound pretty similar. And if I use a capo, I can make it change just a little bit, but I could probably do like 30 minutes. But yeah. Um, and that's fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was, it was good. My dad recorded all of it. I got to show, I got to send in. I'll probably post it on. Uh, social media one day. You yeah. took to it yeah, really to quickly. It quick, wow. Quickly. Yeah. So, so you were 14 mm-hmm. and your first album came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. What year were you 14? Uh, 2010. So six years after you first picked up your instrument, you got a CD out. Mm-hmm. And it's a good CD too. A really good CD. Oh, I appreciate it. Wow. That is, that's pretty amazing, man. So why don't you um, tell us where you were born and raised? I was born in LaGrange, Georgia. Um, have to shout out LaGrange. You know Mabel Hillary, the singer that was, uh, she, if you ever listened to uh, that folk fest that was, was Sonny Land Slam was in it, and Muddy Waters, and they were all sitting right there. She was the only lady that was there singing with them. Anyway, she also born in LaGrange. So we got like one blues singer from there. Um, and I was raised in Greenville, Georgia, a little small town on the outside of LaGrange. Uh, the North American Folk Festival footage, uh, yeah, is that, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that where you're young? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you were you were born in, in Greenville, in like Lagrange. Yeah, Greenville don't have a hospital. Yeah, Lagrange. In Lagrange, okay. yeah, Lagrange was small, like nine hundred people. Yeah, but that's where all my family are. They've been there since like eighteen seventy something. Wow. And yeah. and so you're still where are you living now? I live in Noonan, Georgia now. How far yeah. is that from Lagrange? Uh, thirty minutes. So you're in the same. Yeah, still in the same. It's just same a, general like, region. Yeah. 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 Were your parents big musical influences on you, and how did you get into blues? Uh, well, my dad played uh, records around the house. He got a he got an extensive collection, and he always converting set uh, records to he would you know, making them digital. And uh, I remember I was I had to be a, probably preteen at the time, and I would listen to all the stuff that he was um, putting on. You know, digitizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was he had. Uh, you know, Johnny Cash, Bob Marley, Hank Williams, Tracy Chapman, uh, uh, the Eagles, and he had everything. Like, he, he, like, all kind of muddy waters, and, uh, like, it just, it was a vast, uh, array of music. And so I was listening to all kinds of genres of music. And growing up in church, uh, and traditional kind of church, too, so it wasn't, you know, they were kind of like moaning and doing a lot of the old school stuff. And so I think that was my first invitation to, Music was uh, through church and my dad's vast music collection. 
And was so when you talk about moaning and was it was it uh, like a sanctified church? A Baptist. What, yeah, Baptist. So, so it was Baptist. Yeah, yeah. They they kind of they didn't they didn't really do too much. Uh, not at my church too much. They weren't shouting. falling out nah, and hooting and nah, hollering. Nah, they, they would they would cry in place or moan in place or mostly they were kind of concerned. Now if, they, if it was a, you know they really felt it, then you might get it, but it was real rare. And they, so, what kind of um, uh, gospel was it? Was it? Um, uh, gospel classics or hymns? Or it, was, it was a mixture of uh, spiritual songs and uh, gospel classics. So yeah, you would get some uh, kind of call and response stuff, uh, some of the old songs, and then for the especially for devotional service. So devotional service, my granddaddy used to always lead it, and you get all the the old old songs, and then uh, and sometimes we didn't have uh, musicians, and you know, so something that they were going all around. The other churches. We had a real small church, but uh, we finally got a guitar player named Mr. Parks, and he stayed with us. So we had one guitar player, and that was it. He influenced me as well too. But I didn't start in standard tuning. I started in open tuning. But uh, the sound that he was making, you know, I kind of, it kind of, was kind of stuck with me a little bit. And the open tuning, you were playing slide. Uh, I playing. I was fingering and playing slide. Playing yeah, slide. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and. Um, I saw this one video of you. I don't know where you were. It was on a YouTube thing mm-hmm. that came up. You were on stage and you were singing Trouble in My Way. And oh. there was people in the audience that were like a choir and they were singing back at oh, you. Yeah. They were doing the Trouble in My yeah, Way. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was last, uh, this month in Delta State University. And oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so you had some singers out there. Oh, yeah, they were, the choir was on the same bill and, uh, I think they were the, uh, the, the local choir, but they had, they had performed at the, uh, festival too. And so when they got done, they, they were sitting in the audience. And so when I was singing, they did, came right on and they start to pick right back up. Yeah. Well, if you feel it, man, oh, you yeah. know, give us, give us a little taste of it. Oh man, them gospel songs, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a different plate in the blues. So but if you bring my guitar back, I, I, okay. I, I, I get you some. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, gospel songs. I was just thinking because it's Sunday afternoon. It know? is Sunday. That is, a, that is a good reason. And I do got to get on the airplane. I might need to, I might need to say. So your dad, um, had a really eclectic taste in music yeah. and you got to hear him digitizing all of it. So you were listening to everything that he was, he was putting into us uh, onto CDs yeah. or onto yeah. a disc yeah. or a drive or whatever. And, um, uh, so the music that really jumped out at you was, was it, was blues? Is yeah. that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I had little moments where a lot of stuff, I, I love like R&B in, in the old school R&B for okay. a while. Well, it really, uh, I fell in love with a lot of stuff at time, but I, I think what I seen myself doing and what I really, um, enjoyed was, uh, was, uh, blues. I mean, my dad had like two terror, two and a half terabytes of music. You know, it, it, and it's, they got so much stuff. We had never listened, barely listened to all this stuff. Right. But I was, uh, on YouTube. Uh, and then when they had just started putting stuff on YouTube, because like now you find everything on there. But um, they had a uh, it was Muddy Waters playing in front of a black audience, you know. And they like toward the latter part of his career. Mm-hmm. And um, man, he was singing 19 years old, and uh, he got to the end like she's 19 years old, she got way like a baby child. You know, nothing I can do to please her, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then the people started like looking at him, and they were clapping, and they were like talking back to him. And he would, you can tell, like he was, he was feeling it. And I was thinking, like, uh, it was so close to me to like to well, to see somebody basically have an audience like right in their hand. I had seen it before, but I seen it in church, right. you know. And I'm like, it's so similar. And like, I, I figured if I could ever possess the power to, you know, hold somebody for a moment in time and let them understand like how I feel or even get a glimpse of it, you know. So that was what did it for me. Uh, that and also a conversation that my god sister and cousin had in the front about uh, having musical boyfriends. So mm. that's, yeah, they wanted some musical boyfriends. I figured if they wanted musical boyfriends, Somebody else. <laughs> so it would go right the great motivator. <laughs> the church has always been a, an incubator for the greatest blues singers, you know. And I have to just compliment you and say, you got a beautiful voice, man. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate it. 
no big surprise that you grew up in the church and then ended up singing blues. Mm-hmm. That's a, a pretty classic uh, progression. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would I would think that if anybody, because um, everybody that in, into sacred music, you know, they kind of, they, they deal in the secular music a little bit, even if they like, you know, some songs. So, you know, when you hear the people sing, they sing it just about, just about the same. You know, like when hearing Muddy Water sing, uh, you got to take sick and die one of these days, or uh, what's the other one that he did? Let Jesus lead you all the way. He also uh, did, um, you got to... Um, Leo so God Live can so use God you. That's the one I meant to say. Yeah. That's the one I meant to say. Yeah. Leo so God can you use yeah. you. And like, it sounds just like him. Like, it sounds like yeah, it's, well, the same, it's the same voice. You know? Funhouse did it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Charlie yeah, Patton yeah. did Big it. Big Bill go on and on. Yeah. And on. Yeah. yeah. They, all, they all had uh, their gospel tunes that were super. And then, I mean, buddy, well, Guitar Slim did I'm So Glad Trouble Don't Last yeah, All yeah, Way. Yeah, yeah. That's straight out of the church, straight right? Out, sure. You know, and... Um, and then Buddy Guy did that on the, um, did the same one on um, Southside Blues Jam yeah. album with Junior Wells. And, um, well, he was, he was a huge, he's a, he is a huge uh, guitar yeah, slam player. I think yeah. his first song that he ever put out, like, it was just like the thing that I used to do. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, yeah, it was Guitar Slim was yeah. a huge influence on him. Now, do you have siblings? Mm-mm. Well, it's interesting. I do have a brother and sister, but I grew up in a house by myself. Okay. Yeah, they're younger than me. Like, so they're a great deal younger than me. They're a great deal younger yeah. than me. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so your parents are pretty young, probably. I got older parents, yeah. Oh, you got, you've got older parents? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got older parents. My dad's 63, my mom 58. Okay, let's. We yeah, just we, drop the subject yeah, right yeah. now. Oh, yeah, we got AI. Just, that's, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. So they're my age. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't mean to say like, me, no, no, that's, you know, that's, that's <laughs> perfectly fine, man. It, um, I just have to, um, deal with reality. That's all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would just say they're not 40. Right. <laughs> I got you. And, um, so, uh, you, you went to school in Georgia. Mm-hmm. What'd you study? Uh, sociology. 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 And where'd you go to school? Uh, Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia. Okay. And when did you graduate? Uh, May of 2019. You feel like 2019. Yeah, May of 2019. So you were studying and doing the blues Tour, thing yeah, and I making records. Heavy. You must I have been really busy. Yeah, yeah. I just made sure I had no Monday, you know, no Fridays and late Mondays. Okay. So my schedule. So whatever I made my schedule up, that's, yeah, it helped me for a while. You end up standing there a little longer than I supposed to, but I did finish. That's great, man. Yeah. That's that's great. Did did your um, studies inform? Because you know, I see you on Facebook. You really are an historian of mm-hmm. blues music, and you really made it your business to know the history and to know the styles and mm-hmm. and all of that. And did your work at school form your music to some degree? A bit, yeah, a bit, because it made me kind of uh, refine my thoughts on a lot of stuff and kind of helped me, you know, sort some things out. But, you know, most of it were kind of just growing as a person and then also just learning how you can take certain skills and kind of, you know, apply, apply to whatever you're yeah. doing. But, yeah, yeah, I would say in a sense. But I, I really just wanted to finish school so my mom and dad could know that I could start something and finish it. Uh, so I, I did it I did it mostly for them. But even though I did it for myself too. But, yeah, I was out. But I had been, uh, I think I, I left... I've been living by myself ever since I left high school. So I, you know, I stayed ever since I've been doing music and figuring out a way to make it work for me. So they were just happy that I was doing something, but they they didn't want you know the music to take me away from my studies. So, but it it has helped. It helped for sure. Well, your first instrument was the guitar, piano, trombone, but guitar was the first thing that I actually stuck with. That you stuck with. Yeah. So when did you first pick up a musical instrument? I, I third grade, I believe. I, I took piano lessons. And uh, my piano teacher passed away. Well, it had—I I could do a little bit, you know, and read, read, and kind of. Uh, but then I, I got it got away from me, and I wasn't really into it. It was more like a task. And then uh, did trombone in school, and our first seat for like one week, he realized I couldn't read music, so then he put me almost uh, into the last. Then it was guitar at fourteen, mm-hmm. so that was it. And I stuck with it in harmonica and banjo. I don't really play harmonica and banjo though, but. 
So the harmonica came after the guitar? Yeah. 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 Nice. And so um, in your bio, it, it states that you played Delta, Piedmont, and um, Texas styles. So from the Delta, who are your main influences? Oh, man. Uh, let's see out of the day. Everybody. Uh, Son Howe, pa- uh, uh, Charlie Patton, uh, the McCoy, the Mississippi Sheets, Memphis Minnie, uh, uh Really, in it, like I said, almost all them guys, all them guys. I love, I love them all. Yeah. Interesting that you don't mention Robert Johnson. Well, yeah, well, Robert Johnson. He because if you if you play the rest of the stuff, because he played right there along. Like you get Scrapper Blackwell, that stuff he played in A at the science that Robert Johnson played. A, and, you know, and Sunhouse G stuff and the stuff Robert Johnson. So yeah, I play Robert Johnson, Muddy Water mm-hmm. stuff too, but it's like right in there. Right, same right. vein. Yeah. You're going to the root. Yeah, <laughs> I try. To, I try to go as far back as we can. You know. <laughs> and so in Piedmont, who who who's your who are you? Oh, man, and then you know, like another thing too, like those styles. I know. Well, I I, I kind of say it like region specific more than like style specific. Cause you know, cause Mississippi John Hurt from the Delta too, but he but they associate here playing Piedmont. and being like Piedmont. Yeah. But you right. know, Pete Lowry created that term, and he's still alive. And like the old one, they called that your finger picking. But um. Uh, barbecue Ball, Blind Willie McTell, uh, um, uh, all the food from Georgia. Sleepy John. Yeah, I like Sleepy John. Sleepy John yeah. from um, Brownville, Tennessee. But I, I like all. Oh, I I like everybody. Yeah, I like everybody. I, I, I listen to so many. So, so you kind of intuit where I'm going with this. Um, the regional, the regional styles are, you know, fairly clearly delineated. You can, but like you said, you know. Um, Guys from the Delta were songsters like the Piedmont guys yeah, were, and yeah. they say Robert Johnson, you know, uh, they like to say he sold his soul to the devil, but those of us who don't, uh, you know, believe that it was um, some sort of, uh, you know, supernatural entity that um, tapped him on the shoulder, uh, kicked him in the butt, often I've heard them say he went to different regions and put all that stuff together. Yeah. And came up with a sound that was quite different yeah. from the the people that were um, doing straight ahead Delta blues, sure. and sure. and so I kind of hear that in your playing. Do you do you sort of let it all just come out and mix together? Well, yeah. What's your process? I think a lot of it got to do, and I think about it late. Um, you know, like the difference between Sunhouse preaching blues and Robert Johnson preaching blues. Sunhouse is an older man. His his the style of preaching that he was used to was an older style of preaching mm. and more slow and, you know, it was, more, you know, his style. And uh, Robert Johnson was a younger man and his style of preaching that he probably listened to a Church of God in Christ because it was, you know, newly formed and was not that new, but it was, you know, rapid. So, and it was faster and up, pay, up, upbeat, whatever. So I think kind of when I be playing, a lot of the stuff that I cut in with the beats and stuff um, or, the, or the timing is not necessarily traditional blue time and you know it, it, mm-hmm. if I just stop playing or something yeah so I guess I draw some inspiration from just where I'm from and the stuff I heard and you know growing up not just uh, solely uh, uh, blue stuff too so I don't know I, I just try to do what I like and I hope it feels good to me and everybody else
you buy Some promise of peace while we're living But we have to get it when we die The world's in a tangle Oh, what's going on? I'm gonna go to a foreign land Make it my home Mr. Banjo Man Yes, indeed. That's John Tavius Willis off of his album Spectacular Class, which was released in 2019, produced by Keb Mo and executive produced by the legendary Taj Mahal. You mentioned Jerron Paxson. Oh, boy. Is, is, yeah, there's a vibe that is similar in your guys' approach to music. Oh, yeah, I no. love Jerron. I wouldn't call him an influence so much, but I would say that he did teach me how to play, um, uh, you know, people teach me songs. They don't really teach me like a style and stuff. Right. But he, uh, he, he really got my interest back into banjo. He and then got my, cause I was already using my three fingers. He was like, you already playing like that. So he, he taught me, uh, a few chords, St. Louis Blue. And, uh, I, I figured it out on, on the banjo. And so he really got me. That's my boy. That's my boy. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, play there's, is there anything he doesn't play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. And, um, so you had a great moment on stage last night, John, oh, John jamming with Bobby Rush. Man, that was great. I had fun. <sighs> that was deep. I had fun. So fun. the thing that I noticed was, how you were, you know, he actually changed tunes in, in like mid progression and went from a slow blues into a jump, mm -hmm. like a juke kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you were on him so tight. Well, I would, <laughs> I would prepare to pay attention to him. Cause that one thing I learned when we're playing with some of the elders, uh, you got to, you got to pay attention to him. Now I played most of the solo, but you know, I spent a lot of time one on one with uh, folks. Like I said last night, my friend Mr. Gilt, I always mention him. He was he's such a great person. Uh, he was a 99 year old guy that lived in Alabama. Uh, and man, he he had and some people say bad time, but it ain't bad time. He just had his own time. And if you could play with him, because he was in time, you just had to know like and just look at his foot or just look at his motion and gestures, you know, and that's all I'm worried about because in the moment where I'm behind you, I'm behind you. Like, I'm here to serve you, you know, because most of the time I'm just playing by myself. So whenever I get a time to just, like, you know, to play behind somebody, I'm just going to stay right there, and it was fun. That's an incredible school, and yeah. we, you know, we used to call that those country changes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you obviously have, you know, Big ears, and it's a matter of being present and concentrating, you know. But to come up playing with guys that had eccentric, um, you know, chord changes and and rhythms and stuff is just an, a, an amazing school. It teaches you to really listen. And I could, I, I saw it last night. Oh, I, I was like, it. yeah, this, yeah, it was beautiful. I appreciate it. It was fun. Really, yeah. And what you know, um, what struck me also was that Bobby. Um, started telling stories and using harmonica as sound effects devices. You know, he'd, he'd do body percussion yeah, sure. and hand jive and use the harmonica, you know, as a sound effects device when he was um, as early as grade school. And he talks about it in his book. You know, he was performing for his fellow students, you know, doing all of that stuff. And you did the same thing in your show last night, you know, um, with the harmonica. And, you know, often there's a train involved. Yeah, you got to have a train. Yeah in, yeah, in the story. He had one where... A dog beat the train in a race and he's doing the dog and the train all at the same time it's hilarious and it's it's quite amazing and and this also illustrates how vocal you know um an instrument it is you were actually imitating a voice last night talking and um where'd you first um hear the harp used like that and in general who has uh 
influence you as a harp player? Yeah, I, can, I don't call myself a harmonic player at all, so but <laughs> that, that's one thing. But uh, second, I would probably say, if I had to say who were my favorite harmonica player, Sonny Boy number one. I love Sonny Boy number one. John Lee yeah, Williams. Yeah, John Lee Williams is mm-hmm. so good. Um, uh, my granddaddy, my great-granddaddy played harmonica, but he died in 1960, so I didn't get to him. Oh. But it was always fun to play for my grandma because she would say, you sound just like daddy, you know, but it, we don't know where he sound like. You got some chops, man. Yeah. You know, you already got some chops. You could do whatever you want with that coming coming up, you know, because yeah. um, you've got all the basic techniques yeah. and you sound good. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it all. Man, look at you. Butt, butt in my robe. Hey, just <laughs> telling the truth, man. And, um... And so the album uh, that you did in 2016, mm-hmm. that one came out, you were 20 years old? I don't even know. Let's see, 2016, five years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think I, I might have been 19 when we recorded it, and then 20 when it came out, yeah. So you had this tune called Ancestors Blues that you, oh, man, yeah. you talk about the world being in a bad condition. What are your biggest concerns regarding the condition of the world right now? Oh man, I don't, I don't, it just, you know, I guess it's just like re- repetitive. We say the same thing, like, people need more love, you know, more real love, not, not like, you know, you, that fake hug and then you go back and talk about somebody, like, mm-hmm. genuine love is missing mm-hmm. in like almost every facet of life too, not just, you know, just, well, you know, you know, it's the world, but, you know, like, family, politics, uh, you know, church everywhere. Mm-hmm. Genuine, genuine love. And you, that's a rural, rural area that you come from. So there's a lot of agriculture. Yeah, and, and genuine love. <laughs> What's that? I said, and genuine love. And genuine, <laughs> and genuine love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, are there a lot of farms in that area? Yeah, yeah my granddaddy got, uh, my granddaddy, uh, got like 25 acres of, man, he don't use them, but too much. My uncle got some, um, hogs on it now, but my, um, my granddaddy used to raise corn and collard greens and whatever you had. We used to go outside and just, you know, get it. They come in, we silk, we uh, silk the corn and uh, do the peas or whatever. I ain't never get into the green because my hand would break out. But uh, yeah. you're allergic to green? well, yeah, I'm allergic to almost everything. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That reason I'm just just meat and, and potatoes is what I can just about eat. But <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, anything with citrus and stuff kind of messed me up. But um. But yeah, man, we used to go out there and yeah, it's country living. And my great grandmama stayed right by my grandmama. She ninety eight. My granddaddy eighty four. My grandmama seventy nine. And they stay right there on the same land. They be on the same land. Like seventy eighty years now. Yeah. So does the environmental situation um, on the planet um, worry you at all? Or are you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still worried about it because I still live it. Live, you know, I live outside of. Um, outside of there but when I go there it's a safe haven for like almost every I don't really worry about much when I'm at home right because it's no crime it's a 900 some people and 400 some of them family and they're still growing food yeah it's still growing food I mean yeah. and it's good cooking and I get to see everybody when I'm there um, so I mean it's, it's it's great now a lot of people when they say that think about the South they think about you know hard time and stuff but when I think of the South it's just a little slice of heaven for me that's great yeah <laughs> that's it's great to love your home yeah man yeah and um, in that same song, you sing, the music is in your blood. That's the reason why nobody can tell you how to sing your blues. Oh, yeah. Man, I, what did you mean by that? And, and, and why do you think you wrote it? I don't know, man. You know, I come inspired. I can't remember what it made me inspired to write that one. Some of the songs, you know, I can remember why I were when I made, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of them that came, I, don't, I can't remember. Uh, but I'm sure... Uh, somebody must have said something, you know, because when I was trying to micromanage your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're younger, people have a, um, a, a, you know, they want to, they want to give you the, the, you know, the, the best of what they think. Cause I think they think sometimes that when they were your age, you know, they were all over the place. But, you know, I hang around a lot of older people and like I take, a lot of heat from them. And I, I try to think that I do, uh, you know, I may micromanage, I mean, I, 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 I mismanage a lot of other stuff in my life, but I mm-hmm. kind of try to have, uh, you know, a kind of clear cut 
what I want to do, how I want to do it. And I think I do, you know, pretty good with it. So I think, you know, people, you know, I, I remember when I was playing and stuff, folks used to always, you know, critique this and like, right. like, and I remember what, I remember it was a video I was doing with one of my friends, J-Hop, and the guy, and it was back in 2016, and the guy said, he's not accompanying you at all good. You need to stop playing with him. And now he's the bad person to, you know, to play with because we just kept playing and we kept growing and we play in all the key. Now we do B, C, A, L, E flat, uh, then that me and Steven did with the country blue too. But yeah. Yeah, just like leave you alone and let you yeah, develop and yeah. let you work your art. Yeah, yeah. let us let, yeah. yeah, let me do my thing. But yeah, that, yeah. that's that's probably when that normally when I write a song is either uh they just come to me like that or somebody say something that make me, you know. It's uh that kind of self possession and agency is really um vital to allow your own voice and allow yourself as an artist to grow and um it's so great to see somebody protect that and know at a young age that hey this is what i'm doing for sure. you know and so that's that's really and i think that's a great lesson for younger players who are coming up under you you know um you have several friends uh your age and younger uh, i know who are into the same music and guys uh, um that you jam with and hang out with but you also must have some friends who are, are your age who are not blues artists and aficionados. Sure. How do they respond to the old timiness of your music when when you write tunes like "I Got a Janky Woman"? Yeah, they just uh, laugh. I mean, they just laugh. Yeah, but well, well, I mean, a lot of folk back home they country just like me. So uh, if they can't relate, they know somebody that can relate. So they're not too foreign from. Them. I remember I was, we were about to go fishing one time. And I, I was saying a smokestack lightning and my, my homeboy took your phone out and started recording because he thought the funny thing ever, but he couldn't get the song out of the head for the rest of it. And that's the only blues song he knows. It's smokestack lightning, but he sang smokestack lightning. But, but, but he knows it now. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Your colleagues and buddies who are, uh, are into the music, like, um, I know you hang with Marquise Knox mm -hmm. and Kingfish Ingram and Andrew Ali. Mm -hmm. Um, what's, what's that brotherhood like? Oh, it's great. I mean, uh, I talk about music a lot, but you know, outside of that, it's good to be around some younger black folks and we can talk about, uh, you know, it's, we have a whole bunch of conversations we can have about just the music and talking about growing up and it's good. It's, it's a little, it's a little safe haven. Uh, and you know, everybody had their own run into some regional people. Like Marquis spent a lot of time with some. And with, Stephen Hull. Oh too. yeah, Stephen Hull. Got to, got to, got to shout out my boy Stephen. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, man. So it's always great to have them around. It just like it's extended. It ain't even extended family. It's family. Yes, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Stephen come down to the house later on. I don't see Stephen about three months in a row. He gonna come spend some time with me later on this month. We gonna record a new record. What do you, how do you feel when you hear these blues pundits, white blues pundits, mm -hmm. um, you know, announce to the world that, um, black folks have abandoned the blues. This is, um, a lost art that they're trying to keep the blues alive. I hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. Keeping the blues alive. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you think when you hear that stuff? I have a journal with all of my thoughts in it and, and, and how I would, you know, it, it if 20 ways that the conversation could go when I actually meet them, because I try to see if they have contact information. Cause they, I, I like to talk to them because a lot of people just don't know. Right. Don't, they, they, you know, like, like they don't. So, you know, some of them you would say they, they kind of being bashful or they, you know, they really don't know. So then we figure out if they really don't know and then we see how did they change. And then if it changed for the good, then they just didn't know. But if it never changed, then we know that, you know, that it, it was just something that they were just trying to sell and package and, you know, quote. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's part of the strategy to, um, you know, monetize and, um, and, and, and profit off of something. That, I get a chance to meet some of those folks, probably. So that I, I mean, we'll see what, what happens. Well, I've heard you guys talk a lot about these issues. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, you've posted a lot of stuff. You've posted statements. I find it super encouraging and really, um, important. You know, and you guys are Southern gentlemen and are really polite, but you don't take no stuff from any of these folks. Yeah. And you, you, like they love to say these days, you, you speak truth to power. Yeah. Um, I just applaud that, man. I appreciate it. It's very inspiring to see. I appreciate it. Yeah. You can turn on your TV. 
It don't matter if it's day or night You can turn on your TV It don't matter if it's day or night in a sickening condition And I'm expected to sit back and act like everything's alright How many fathers done prayed How many mothers done went to bed crying How many How many mothers I went to bed crying We all have made the world a better place Oh, we all die trying Tunes of my ancestors to pass hard times like these Ancestor Blues by John Tavius Willis off his first album, Blue Metamorphosis. The next record, Spectacular Class, decidedly more contemporary. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also with an ensemble, which uh, was a de departure from your, yeah. your solo stuff, and, and some really cool instrumentation. Do you ever see yourself going electric uh, like so many of the other artists who yeah, start out? Yes, yeah, 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 but not like it's going to be like Memphis Minute, Big Bill, Tampa Red electric. Okay. You know, pre-British invasion. Light, Lightning Hopkins. Lightning Hopkins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it'll be that electric. I love that stuff. Yeah. I love it. Because they still leading. Like, they, they're leading it. It's not necessarily, like, with Lightning Hopkins, especially his solo electric. Like, that's so good. Oh, he, no. he, he'll break off in the solo, and then, like, me and Wade just go right back to the turnaround. You know, and oh, it's so God. good. Because as soon as you start to love it, then you're like, oh, man, he wrapped you back around that. So, yeah, I love yeah. I loved it. How did you meet Taj Mahal, and what has it been like um, working with such an iconic artist and having him as a mentor and a fan? It's really high praise. Um, how, how does that make you feel, and what's that like? I met Taj uh, in August of 2015 
Uh, he was, he had a video on YouTube, Lucy May Blues, and he seen it and he liked it. And he was like, I've been waiting for you. And you know, next time I know he was in Atlanta. So I went, me, uh, my boy J-Hop and my dad went to the show and he performed and asked me to come up on stage for two songs. And I did, uh, Lucy May Blues and Keep to the Highway. And, uh, Later on, uh, two years later, I did three shows for him in Florida. And then later on, I did like 40-something shows with him and K up together. And, uh, Kevin Capmo. Capmo, yeah, Capmo yeah. together. Uh, the Taj Mo tour that they did, great. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it's great to have to talk to him, have him as a friend. And uh, like you said, a fan. He, but I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his, too, because he... He he knew all the older guys and the way that he uh, used their music and then like but made new music with it like that I, that really inspired. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I, I just enjoy. I, I like to think of him and Kev as my uncles. You know, they kind of like musical uncles. Right. Taj a little little older uncle, but Kev been right there with him. But they still they they still like amazing. You know, like amazing. Well, you know, and Taj Mahal studied. Um, African music, and um, and he had family Mm. that came um, from the Caribbean, Mm. and he embraced all of those different roots Mm. of of his, and it informed his music, and Mm -hmm. and he's one of the greatest bluesmen of our our time. Just, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I've been listening to him, I'm I'm 59, and I've been listening to him since I was like 12, you know, or 11. Yeah, his voice. He got such a good voice. Oh, he's got—he's one of the great singers. Yeah, he's so good and so a great good. harmonica player. Yeah, he's great, and a wonderful <laughs> pianist. I think I think he's a pure music. Now He's—I would say that after I, I got into it because I didn't—I wasn't too familiar with him before. Uh, but after I met him and got into it and got into some of his stuff, I would say he really became an influence because he let me see like uh, just what you could do with so many uh, different instruments and like the way he utilized them in different ensembles. Yeah, he's the man. He's the man. He was about 26 when his first album came out, um, and um, you um, were 20. Um, you're 25 now. You have two albums under your belt, one Grammy nomination. You're getting uh, you're getting a little tired of being referred to as a youngster at this point. I mean, it don't matter to me. I guess I, I, I'm probably going. I'm probably going to want it uh, after a while. After a while, <laughs> you know. You know. So, uh, so I'm I'm appreciative for every little thing that I can get now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of folks in their twenties doing really well with you know uh, with uh, music genres that came out of the blues. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and, and nobody says, oh, well, they're really young, you know. Um, yeah. But it's, it, it, I think because of the blues, it, it has been around so long and, mm-hmm. and there's so many older folks that are, that are doing yeah. it. And when video came out, all the guys were old, you know, like every, right. all of them guys started when they were young. Yeah, all of them did. So what's next for uh, John Tavius Quan Willis? I don't know, man. I, I hope there's some continuation of what's... what's uh, in the past, I'm recording some new uh, stuff October 31st through the 2nd. Um, Is it solo or uh, uh, ensemble? Yeah, they're going to be so bad. They're going to be some, the good bad, not the bad bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Big John Atkinson will be playing drone. Andrew Ali will be on harmonica. Rodrigo Montavani will be on bass. Uh, Ethan Line One will be on piano. Uh, we ain't gonna have a two minute harmonica and piano tracks. That's that's interesting when you start to get that together. Mm-hmm. I like it, but probably like two of those. Uh, I mean, what? Uh, harmonica and piano tracks. Yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they clash a little bit sometimes. Like you got to stay like at the bottom of it. So like sometimes I guess I don't know. We'll talk about that after we get done. Yeah, no, no. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I feel like like that you know, when you have both of them in the same space. Like one of them have to take a back seat unless unless somebody vamping, you know, somebody right, vamping. Comping, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, but, yeah. But man, yeah, I feel like sometimes it can be like I feel like you just let that piano ride on out and take the thing, or just let the harmonica have it. But you know, it might do a boogie. And you, but you, and you're talking in the context of a ensemble. Oh yeah, ensemble. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Because because sure. the harmonica piano duo. Yo, that's that, that's 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 killer, that. man. You can't I, I I, I yeah, love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's a, and and so okay, so you've got some recordings coming up yeah. and, and, touring and and touring. So where where are you off to next, man? Well, I'm at home. Uh, this is the last uh, show I got for uh, until the 23rd, 24th. But I just left Pennsylvania, then Virginia, and then uh, North Carolina. Next month, I'm on the blues cruise, and I did Switzerland last month too. 
Um, so I mean, I'm it's getting back a little a little bit better than what it was in uh, the, middle, like the middle of last part of 2020. <laughs> so sounds I'm, like I'm appreciative it. of that. So we just gonna see what's gonna happen. And I'm enjoying all of it, and hey, and and like I tell folks all the time, they always say, you know, you got to get a a job. I say, well, if everything stopped right now and I never do anything again, I'm so appreciative for what already happened, and I'm just fortunate uh-huh. for it. And then if anything gonna happen, I, hey, I take it as a chair on top. You're just getting started, man, um, uh, in this world because you're so good at it and, and, and you have such a wonderful attitude. And, uh, and I know, uh, you know, older folks, um, always want to give advice. And I, I try and be careful about that with 25 year olds because you're a full grown man, you know, but the road, the road is a dangerous place, and um, you're a, a national treasure. So be careful out there, man. Be safe, and um, and follow your muse, man. Because and you know, no, nobody has to tell you what to do with that. Because obviously, you have a very, very sharp focus. You're you know continually growing and making great music. So thank you for that, and thank, thank you for coming here and talking Glad to me, man. To be here, man. Great and conversation. Good to meet you, and good to talk to you. All right. right. Jontavius Willis, everybody. Well, that was Jontavius Willis, who I interviewed at the Logan Center Blues Fest last week. My name is Matthew Scholar. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Blues and World Report. I'll be broadcasting new episodes every two weeks, so look for my next podcast on November the 9th when I interview blues drummer extraordinaire Kenny BBI Smith. Blues and World Report is solely a listener-supported program. If you enjoyed the show and want the podcast to continue, please consider donating at bluesworldreport.com. That's B-L-U-E-S-W-O-R-L-D-R-E-P-O-R-T.com. Once you get there, press that donation link and, and, and do what you can for us. We sure appreciate it. We'd like to thank you for tuning in once again, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And remember to always believe your eyes.